So what do you do, May? I work at the animal hospital, and I sew. Some people think it's kind of gross. I love gross. Really? Hmm. Discuss me, please. We got the whole place to ourselves. So are you gonna dance with me or what? The fuck is that? Oh fuck! I'm bleeding. May, what are you doing? But it's just like your movie. This is weird. You like weird? Not that weird. Oh, please don't hurt me, May. Pleasey, please. I trust you. I know you would never hurt me, May. You have a beautiful neck. So many pretty parts, no pretty holes. You have really beautiful legs. I love your tattoo. I love your hand. Touch me. Touch my face. I need more parts. You're gonna look perfect. Stay me! See? Today I chose the movie May, which I think is an interesting little gem um, that sort of fits between two horror movements that I think deserves a little bit more of a reputation than maybe it has. And just an interesting little backdoor Frankenstein movie that I think has all the charm in the world. Hello, and welcome back to Scream Addicts. I'm your guest host, Jerry Smith, filling in for Jinx. And that was Brad Elmore talking about Lucky McKee's 2002 horror film, May. Mr. Elmore is the writer and the director of The Wolfman's Hammer, the upcoming Blumhouse film, Boogeyman Pop, and one of my favorite films of the year, the very entertaining and relevant vampire film, Bit. Mr. Elmore, thank you so much for being on the show, dude. Oh, thanks for having me. This is going to be a ball. Right? Yeah. No, I I love this movie. Uh, you know, I I kind of discovered it maybe a few years after it came out. Uh, when did when did you come across me? So I just I got it from Hollywood Video right when it came out. I was kind of on the horror sites looking for the things at the time. You know, your your creature corners and your mm-hmm. and your chud dot coms. You know, I was probably seventeen, I think, when it came out. Um, so I, it was kind of like I heard a little buzz about it and i just i immediately rented it um back then and and i just it it just it was such a strange movie for for the time i feel mm-hmm. like it, it it really fits in this sort of between space uh, i don't know i don't know, jump into that now but it, it has this weird legacy to me and and it, it's it's not a bridge film between any two movements at all but it it it's sort of like a breath of fresh air mm-hmm. before after one and before another. And I, I think that's that makes it sort of special and unique. And oddly should I feel like this of all the movies that kind of get hot topic, like how May isn't like one of On, those darlings, it blows my mind, you know, like yeah, like T shirts and posters, you know. T shirts, posters, snow globes, <laughs> belt buckles and all that like, whatever. It's just like how is how did this one not get like that, you know, I mean, as Hot Topic has reached, it's like, it's, it's like new cycle of like, now it's just doing like main, now mainstream things that it was not doing. Like now it's like 
Mickey Mouse's hot topic. You know what I mean? It's like well, now it's like, like Marvel and De- it's like the the sort of it's funny how it was like all this weird, funny, goth gothy stuff, and now it's kind of cycled onto like something <laughs> more more poppy. And it's, well, just, I, it's a it's a funny store with a funny legacy, you know. I've always I've always said that like when Hot Topic first opened, it was the kind of place that like people like me growing up would run to. Now now it's kind of like the place where people that beat me up when I was younger run to. Yeah, like, I mean, so weird. I was I was never that dude, so I ne- like I've never really liked the place, but I always understood its sort of presence, you know. And and it it, it, it but I, I I did sort of watch it help certain things kind of like become i mean it like it has very much a stake in like re uh, popularizing certain things that that i do like or that that are now so prominent in culture i mean like i don't want to turn this into a hot topic podcast but (laughs) it's just like like you know when you're uh, people really uh, i remember the time when nightmare before christmas was not a thing that anybody gave a shit about and it was just like Mm -hmm sort of rediscovered over time and and then it that's one of those stores that was just it was like oh shit you could get a jack skellington thing well i kind of have to get that because that just seemed impossible and then it just now it's that is i would say the disney brand is that and it's just kind of funny anyway well you know on what's crazy is i i always feel like the hot topic kind of analogy kind of fits for the movie because when it first started i mean a place like that was the kind of place that people who were into May would tell their friends about, you know, like stuff like that. It wasn't a mainstream thing and it's never been a mainstream film. It has a good cult following now, but I mean, like you said, like it baffles me too, how that movie isn't so much bigger. Uh, right. In the, in that, in that very particular sense of the word in the, like, like, I mean, there's probably more popcorn t-shirts in the world than there are May, which just blows yeah. my mind, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the, the most, the, the 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 most like reprehensible of of like trash cinema now has like the great artistic reinterpretations on T-shirts and posters and sort of May is just kind of like hasn't quite got that yet as much and I, it's just kind of weird to me you know where's my May Wait. Mondo poster I guess you know right and like if these things to- exist I I don't know about mm-hmm. them. You go to a convention, you'll see like forty street trash shirts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they have yet exactly. to see a male. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, totally. Like every but, Melt uh, movie that's ever been made will have like the most yeah. gorgeous <laughs> part associated with it that the movie itself never deserved. You know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, of course. When I saw the the made for the first time, uh, one of the things that really just stood out to me is kind of how it hits the ground running right from the opening shot. Like it goes in. You know, kind of that shot from the end of the movie at the very beginning, you're holding her eye crying. So right from the beginning, you know, you're in for a ride. Like, I, I love that. about yes. the movie. Yeah. And it, you know, I, I, my age when I saw it, it, it factors in a lot to my probably enjoyment to it. I, I think I think it's such a I, it, I think it fits alongside certain movies that are just adolescent. And I don't even mean that as a bad thing. But a lot of like movies that are adolescent in that way that um, that have th- that Holden Caulfield element to them mm. are usually very kind of male. You know, your taxi yeah, drivers yeah. and whatnot. Movies that like fourteen-year-olds watch them and go like, "This gets me," you know, because <laughs> because you're in that state. 
of like I am God's only human. Uh, uh, I am I am alone in this world, and this world is shit, kind of thing. And yeah. this one, this one kind of fits in that a little bit um, as a, like an outsider movie, but it's not. But it's not as. Um, but it's not male, you know. Typically, those protagonists, anti-hero sort of darker figures, we as we watch them sort of spiral out of control into their own sort of madness and isolation. Like this, this one has a obviously a. Uh, uh, of uh, 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 woman as a protagonist, and I think it must it must be said that uh, Angela Bettis is so good in it, and especially when I was younger, I was like, this is a this is one of the best performances of all time. <laughs> you know, I think what? now I can watch it as an adult, and I certainly things kind of uh, you know I can I can kind of suss out more. Maybe it's I wouldn't call them flaws, but parts where it's a little bit more performative than what I sort of remember of the movie you know mm-hmm. um a little a little bit more more arch than i than i than i recall but yeah. when i was 17 i'm just like this is this is incredible and it is incredible and she does carry the movie really well well she you know? she has the ability to make you sympathize for me even when she's doing like these really fucked up and atrocious things to people like she walks that fine line between protagonists and antagonists you care about me and you a lot of that is in the writing, but I feel like that writing wouldn't be as effective if that role was played by anyone other than Angela Bettis. Yeah, she's just, you just want to, she's just so endearing and just so, like, you just, you just, it's almost like you want to reach in the movie and just like, no, don't do that. Or, you know, you just, like, you really are on her side from moment one. It's, it's really good filmmaking and it's, you know, this is such a strange era because, this is, it's like, I think the budget's what, somewhere around two mil? Yeah, I think um, 1.7, like right, right under two, yeah. Right, which is like, at the time, like, like now that's a killer budget. You know, movies are fighting over, you know, at that time that would be considered like, I mean, the movie's essentially like a very simple, almost a chamber piece a lot of the times, mm-hmm. you know? And it's, it's like, now it's like, I watch it and, and by today's standards, it's like, where the fuck did all that money go? No offense to yeah to the filmmaker, but it's like, how the fuck did this cost that much money? But it's such a different era. You know, it's just such a, a different world. Like you watch Scream and you're like, how in the hell did that cost $15 million? Like, yeah. it's, and I love, Scream's one of my favorite movies, but there is this weird time. Like for instance, like I think the first Happy Death Day has the same budget as May, you know? That's and that's a like nuts. major release type movie, you know? Um, yeah. Well, it's just a strange, like for instance, Bit cost roughly the same amount as May. And then mm-hmm. it's like Vampire Spartacus. And I'm just, <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is like, I'm just jealous of that time where it's like, you could really, you could really take what are still like limited resources. I mean, I think the movie is very inventive and a good use of its resources. The money is on screen. I'm just kind of joking. I'm not trying to harp on the movie at all, but it is sort of like, I do get this jealousy of like, man, but and it must be cool to spend 1.7 million on a movie where just basically people are talking like that. That must have been great. They must have had at least two days to shoot this scene, you know. Like, <laughs> but it, I, I, yeah, it, I do. It almost to death. It almost feels like kind of speaking on that. It almost feels like, kind of like a, a Cassavetes horror film. Like it's very like talky, you know. It's very like a character study, and it's it's like I've always found the same question like that. It costs almost two million dollars for this. And I love the movie with a passion, you know, and most of the, the kind of like film stuff that I work on is mostly talky kind of stuff, you know, very little action. But 
I don't know. It, it, it works so well. And I, I think the film really speaks on that feeling that a lot of people have growing up of being an outsider and speaking on Bettis a little more. I mean, I, I think that she's so talented and so able to just invoke that in every role. I don't know if you followed uh, Dexter throughout the whole series, but uh, uh, never really seen it. She was in this one season where she played this victim of, uh, I think, a gang rape at camp and someone's killing. I think like there's a group and and she was the victim and she plays it just like she was in May. And it's so effective. And I, I feel like I feel like the casting is the is the biggest star of this entire film, like all across the board. Yeah, I mean, ab- absolutely. I really want to get into the cast because there's a couple there's a there's a couple performances that I'm just like I'm just so I mean I think I think Bettis is the MVP by far but there's some performances but really really quick I want to mention something like sure so if you go back to the sort of the time of this movie you I, I there was there was a it was at the end of this cycle of what essentially became sort of like this like the Dawson's Creek slasher period you know yeah which mm-hmm. by that point had run its not only run its course, but it but it like th- there were they were so they had started to become not even good in a trashy way. They're just kind of like they they they'd become so neutered and so yeah. like uninteresting. And they all kind of folk they more focused on they were less the totemic idea of the slasher as mythic figure and more the idea of the slasher as black glove killer. You know, as mm-hmm. a whodunit. And there was just a billion of those, and obviously that kicked off with Scream, and there's a and there's 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 gems amongst them, but by 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 that point, it, it just was just like they were just the worst, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like they, you know, I think there's there's going to be people who are going to eventually have that nostalgia for that era, but during it, I just remember just being like, oh my god, winner this is just not what I want out of horror movies or, or, or movies. It's just, they just kept coming and they were just abysmal, Mm -hmm. you know? And as my critical faculties, faculties were growing and my interest in cinema was growing. Like I was like, you know, this, you know, maybe, maybe this urban legends movie isn't very good, you know, like this. And it started, so it was a part of that change for me, but it also is right before what would be the like next wave, which would be the hostel. Yeah. And it's like in between these two. Yes, exactly. It's it's like it's in between these movies, and has like kind of nothing to do. I mean, it 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 kind of it kind of could be adjacent to some of the, um, you know, something like Martyrs or something like that because it does delve into sort of like body horror and sort of some gruesome stuff. But but I wouldn't. I I mean, I think that's kind of a stretch. It's just kind of its own unique little thing. Yeah, you know, no, it, it's definitely. It, it's barely even a horror film. It's it's it, uh, in so much as it's certainly not scary, you know, which which I like about it. It's just this weird character study with 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 that uses horrific imagery and ideas. Um but in watching it just felt at the time like such a breath of fresh air. Well, just, I I think that I think that anyone that grew up with a big affinity for, you know, Taxi Driver or films like that of people that may not be 
completely bad people, but people kind of losing their shit as the movie goes on. You know, like Taxi Driver, Falling Down, all these movies. It was so refreshing for me when it came out and when I finally eventually saw it. Because here you have a, a female protagonist going through a lot of that same shit, but in a horror film. You know, it was something that something very unique that I hadn't seen, like almost like a Polanski film in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, and, and you get so many different sequences of just these horrific things happening to this woman that just wants to be accepted. Like, it's it's heartbreaking at times. And upon revisiting it now, she's much she's much creepier now that I'm older. Uh-huh. And my response to her victims is a little different. Like, when I'm 17, I'm like, yeah, kill that fucking dude. <laughs> now I'm like, <laughs> now I'm like, I'm like, you know, he's she's fucking creepy you know what i mean like like it's uh, my reaction's a little different because again i just think it's one of those movies that like works really well when you're an adolescent or or yeah. coming out of that or still kind of in that and still works now it's just you know perspective shift um which like let's talk about her victims because the 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 two performances and one in particular that i really want to isolate is it, like jeremy sisto is such a rock star in this movie oh right like i mean i remember being like like, I don't know, I, like, you know, you're, you're carving out your sort of identity at 17. And I'm like, okay, that's the kind of, du- that's my dude. And I know he's a total kind of hipster douche, you know, but he's just, it's like. But yeah, he knows who like, he is, you know. But he's like, he's like this weird sort of, because he also works with his hands. He's kind of manly, mm-hmm. you know. And it was just like, yeah, he's like the smart dude who can also like fix your car. Like, I, I, I and, he, and he was just kind of like. He had this like Jim Morrison swagger to him, you know. Yeah, and, he's like he's a mechanic making like you know artistic horror films. <laughs> yeah, and he's kind of always got this cool about him. Like he doesn't really get rattled, and and he has a he's he's like you know he's I, I guess the terminology nowadays would be fuckboy. Like I guess he kind of has that. Like, but he really he really does have an interest in May, and and does like watching it now. It's like he really does. Uh. You know, he, he, she is sort of, she, again, she's much creepier now than I watched it today. Because he is sort of like, I mean, I'm sitting there going like, yeah, I would be like, I, I'm not calling that lady again. Like, I told yeah. like, at, but when I was younger, I was like, I just felt so bad for her. Like, man, you know, this guy just doesn't understand her. And then now I'm like, get her out of, I just do not hang out with this lady, you know? I mean, he try. I mean, he breaks it off. He essentially breaks it off, and then she shows up to his house. You know what I mean? Like, but he's also kind of delicate with it too, in a way where it's like, yeah, he's there are douchey elements to the character, but there's a delicacy of like he kind of knows. Like, I knew from the beginning that there was something kind of off about this girl, and I kind of like went with it. it followed his sort of like. Yeah, but maybe she's like I get this sense that it's like yeah, she could probably be an easy lay though. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and but he through that becomes aware that like she's kind of, there's a fragility to her and he kind of he's kind of trying to spare her uh, mm-hmm. hurting like like going like you're cra- you're crazy get out of my life. Yeah. And and by not just being so upfront it, 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 her her reading of the signals and her kind of tracking him down um her her like when she's confronted with the idea that that they think she's crazy it's because she's fucking outside his house listening to him through the yeah. window, through the doorway it's it's not like 
it's it's not like he invited her over and then carried her, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't no, drop it, pig's blood on her and be like, look, you crazy lady, you know what I mean? No, no, it's, I've, it's the same thing with me, like, revisiting. I had a lot of those same things. Like, when I when I first, you know, watched it a couple years after it came out, you're very sympathetic towards her, you know? And yeah. it's because of that performance and everything else. But to be honest, rewatching it a couple of weeks ago, the only character that I felt absolutely, like, death was justified... Anna Ferris's character. I mean, she's so like predatorial the whole movie. That's the other piece you know? I want to talk about. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's, let's do it. Anna Ferris is also a she is also a rock star. Like, uh-huh. just full blown. Like, she is so fun. Like, kind of like an underrated asset in a lot of movies. Yeah, where she has, and she kind of like get. She kind of gets cast a few times, or at least a couple. Like off the top of my head, is like this kind of thing. This, 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 like this side of this side of sort of like trashy or sleazy or sort of like um, dismissive. I mean, like if, if you look at her role in um, Observe and Report, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like she does. She's so like she's like a comedy genius. I guess is the only way to, to put it. Like she's her timing, her everything, and just the way she's able to be like to write sort of an, an egregious character or to take an egregious character that on the page is like. It's over the top, and they she keeps it over the top, but she's able to sort of like ground it in like a thing where it's like I kind of know that person. Yeah, definitely. So it's like she always is able to balance this thing of like, yeah, this is. Uh, it's like you can you remember it from life. Like this is a type. Like I mm-hmm. I I can, and she's always able to do that to where it just doesn't just feel like a cipher, mm-hmm. even when it's totally a cipher. You know. Um, oh, totally. And, and comedically, she's just great. I mean, she's just so, like, funny. And it just, like, rewatching, I'm like, oh, shit, yeah. Anna Ferris is, is great. <laughs> like, she's always great. Um, and those are, the, those are the two that I just really, Sisto and Ferris, I'm just like, man. And I, I'm, I'm going, like, how did, how Sisto didn't become the sort of, like, I guess it was the t- at the time, the type of leading man the, the, for the young actors. It was, like, mm-hmm. it was much more a push to, for the sort of like, we weren't doing the greasy smokers cool leading man in 2002. You know, See, it was, it was, it was guy, the Boreanaz archetype. And I'm like, man, Sisto kind of, he kind of missed his window. Because if, if this movie comes out in 1993, he is going to get those sort of like more depth like smokers cool type, lanky, slinky type of, type of charisma that he brings to that, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, in 2002, we're very much, like, the, the type of leading young male role is very much, like, much more a, a cookie cutter. And, and Boreana's mold, you know? Oh, totally. Um, I, I think, uh, I don't know if you've seen uh, Hideaway, the, the Dean Koontz adaption with Jeff Goldblum. But uh, Jeremy Sisto is in that. It's a, from 95. He plays this kind of, basically, the, the Jim Morrison-esque bad boy but he he's like a Satanist trying to kill people, and he's telepathically linked to Jeff Goldblum, and it is I one have, of that oh is my one god, of the craziest movies I've ever seen, Do, like, right? Yeah, oh, man, like, I love it with a passion. Which, like, yeah, go ahead. Which which that's you know, that's the one. Who else is in that? That's uh, it's uh, Alicia Silverstone. Alicia Silverstone. Yeah, yeah. that movie's insane. Uh, and like I haven't seen it since. I watched it on video yeah, and it is, it is far from a good movie, but it is so bananas. Like it's certainly like, 
like the like and it, it it feels kind of expensive like i can't remember who directed yeah. that that's not peter hyams is it it can't be who is that i guess i could I, look it up but yeah i don't remember off the top it's of my somebody head. like that it's it's that's interesting i forgot all about that movie i forgot and now it's all coming back to me that movie is fucking crazy but that's the thing. That's it. Kind of speaks on what you're talking about. I mean, Sisto was great in that. I mean, he's hilarious and clueless. Oh, he's been he's so, so good many great movies, and how he didn't get to that like a list level is beyond me. I mean, or even at least six feet indie, under, or at least get the indie breakout feature where he's the he's the the guy. You know, yeah. like where it's like, oh, you know, it, it it's it's like, and he's you know he's still working and kicking ass. I guess like you know he's moved into TV and done TV shows. I'm, I'm sure he's Sisto still, I'm not saying his career ended or, or, or that he doesn't have the career he wants. I'm just saying like, let's get row right now. But it, it's like, I, 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 you know, I just think there was like this, it's like, man, you are the right guy in kind of the wrong era. You know? Oh, totally. Like now you, what's, you, what's, what's interesting to me is like, you know, when talking about May, obviously people always mention Angela Bettis because she's great, you know, Jeremy Sisto, Anna Ferris. But the one role that always stands out to me is James James Duvall's punk rock character. <laughs> oh my god. That, that is that's the most bonkers role that I, I think I've ever seen. Because it should be so one dimensional. But he everything that James Duvall does. He just it's larger than life. He's making than a lot life. of choices. <laughs> He's making a lot of choices in that. And, like, oh yeah. man, I've seen so many of those guys like on the corner, you know, skateboarding, getting into fights. So like, I I laugh my well, ass off every that time. Is my, frankly, that is my sort of milieu. Uh, like, and especially my first two movies, like I know punkers and I know the different brands they sort of have, you know, <laughs> and and he is none of like, them. <laughs> he's none of them, and he's like his. He's like a. a it's such a weird like it 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 feels like he just walked in and and like wardrobe just put him in punk that day either that, or, either that or he forgot that he wasn't doing another greg Araki movie <laughs> yeah it's it's such a it's such a it's a weird pitch but it's also i can see the choice as an actor to be like i'm hardly in this so i want i want to stand out mm-hmm. and so there, there's like a he's he's because he's got he's really heightened and mm-hmm. he's he's got a lot of he comes in like a like a like a whirling dervish with his energy in that film, yeah. And and the writing doesn't do him much favors because his reason to getting to May and to hanging out with her is like very quick, um, yeah. And it's something it's something pretty perfunctory, isn't it? Like, hey, you want to see my chocolate bars or something like that? It's something yeah, it, like it, yeah, just kind of like a I, throwaway reason to hang out with her, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And. And uh, it's it is it is it definitely stands out. If that was this, if that was his end game, there is like I just I want to stand out in this movie. It's like it worked, it worked. And um, but there is sort of like an artifice to the punk element that just is is so insane. Like this is yeah. guy is like like this is not this does not read as anything I've ever seen. You know? Oh no, totally. I I could see like you know actual punk rock subculture you know people being kind of annoyed with it i remember at fantastic fest 2015 i was hanging out uh with my friend uh heather buckley and we had just seen the premiere of green room and i was so stoked on it and afterwards you know buckley was just so mad because you know this isn't accurate this isn't accurate this isn't accurate and i remember getting in such a heated, heated I, I disagree argument with her intensely 
Right? Right? Because like, she, I, it's, I would, I, intensely, I think Green Room is a pretty great movie. Um, and, like, because, like, I am, I did not grow up a punk rocker. That's not what I was. I was more of a, a jock and, like, a, a rock kid, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I grew up around, like, punk was so integral to the, to the world I grew up in, which was this sort of, like, go nowhere, do nothing, middle of the Pacific Northwest. And what, what Green Room speaks to is so specifically that arid Pacific Northwest version of punk. And Very it's Oregon. right on the money. Yeah. Right on the money. Because it is, it is sketch. It is violent. You know, I did not grow up with punk as some accepting thing. Mm-hmm. Punk was always fascist. Like, oh, they would definitely. talk always about, you know, the man and fascism and blah, blah, blah. But they were fascist and violent and disruptive and and not in the in the ways that were like this is just my experience growing up uh it was it 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 was more akin to like the like la hardcore scene in like 79 or 80 Mm -hmm. where it was just an excuse to fucking be violent i mean it was just the amount of like date rapes coming out of it the amount i mean they chased like my whole first movie wolfman's hammer is based on something that a, a, a gang called the bkb the brass knuckle boys chased a kid into the park for making out with somebody's sister and put him in the hospital you know that's sort of yeah. like the genus of that movie and like i had my scrapes and run-ins with punk rockers dudes and punkers and stuff like that we used to fight them in the breezeway and ben is it, it was turf war stuff you know mm-hmm. and it was, no totally it was, I, and then i had i had a friend who went full punk and his jacket's in every movie I've made. And I, I, and I, I uh, you know, I know Heather Buckley uh, has, I don't know her, but I know she has the, produced that movie Riot Girls, which I think has a, uh, uh, a punk aesthetic that's sort of more the, because there's different, there's like the art scene punks where there's just these sensitive, more accepting, more, you know, yeah, uh, types. So it's like, but there's also, there is Pacific Northwest mean, isolated punk and part of that is skinheads too oh most definitely i mean i mean like it's yeah uh so i i definitely i i definitely disagree with her on that um but i I know i don't know her at all but i'm I'm sure she's got her good reasons for for it Um, oh no it's it was funny like it it would be like the most passionately not angry but like heated debate in a bar at fantastic fest no, but uh, I, I, my whole uh, junior high and some of my high school years, I lived in Albany, Oregon, near Corvallis. And, yeah, there was definitely a lot of punk rock fights around there. Well, it's gutter. Uh, it's gutter punk. It's sketch yeah. punk. It's, it's mean. It's nasty. It's angry. And, it's, and, and like, I, I, you know. Everything like, that James Duvall wasn't. <laughs> right, yeah. And, uh, you know, but again, you know, the May is also kind of subtly an, an L.A. movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Very, um, so maybe there's something there that I just wasn't picking up on because I'm, you know, I'm watching this movie in Bend, Oregon in 20, uh, 2002. Mm-hmm. Or 2001, whenever it's released, David, as I didn't bother to look it up because I don't prepare for anything. Um, <laughs> like I, no, but- I wrote... Uh-huh. I watched it like because we, you know, we planned to do this a, a, a few weeks ago. So yeah. I watched it really quickly then to kind of refamiliarize myself and have done no legwork besides because that's just me. Like that's just how I roll. Well, I mean, I, after after like a handful of setbacks, you know, with, with stuff going on with me, like, you know, finally found time like, OK, let's let's knock this out. 
So, I mean, I, I finally wrote my notes like this morning. So I'm right there with you, dude. I mean, I've, I've stood up in front. I have never, ever prepared anything in my life for anything mm-hmm. when it comes to just talking about stuff. Cause it's like, man, eh, just, let's just talk about it. You know, I did an interview once with Sid Haig. Uh, and I was just like, you know what? He has so many stories. I'm not going to prepare a single question. It's just going to be conversational. And I think the entire interview ran for three minutes. <laughs> I just, yeah, I would just like to talk to him. I would just be like, okay, Sid, let's talk music. Cause I just want to talk to him about drumming. <laughs> you know, I want to talk to him about ro- like the rock band he was in and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and, and how like music relates to his career going forward. Uh, I, I, he's a endlessly fascinating dude. And, mm-hmm. uh, and just like his sort of legacy is sort of now as this this very much like a horror icon, especially due to like Rob Zombie's usage of him. But but and Rob Zombie kind of used him really well, I I believe. But it's like I heard Tarantino say this, and it's like he was like the original Sam Jackson in Pulp Fiction type yeah. character. Yeah, know? like he that's what he kind of used to do. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 sort of interesting to think like once he was a you know once he was a, a, a in a in a rock band I believe he was a drummer and then he was then he's then he becomes this sort of like um, you know this uh, uh, exploitation movie sort of darling and and yeah. you know and then and then he has this like resurgence later on is like playing off of that legacy but kind of twisting it into something else. I just he's just fascinating just a the it's an, it's an interesting career and and you know that guy dude's that got stories you just know oh, you know definitely i mean my favorite stuff by him is like the jack hill stuff i mean i think pit stop is one of my favorite films of all time you know i have not seen pit stop actually oh it is man arrow put out a really good blu-ray of it a couple years back i would definitely recommend it it's it's such a great movie but uh you know, going into May again, uh, I, th- I think the casting is just genius. Uh, yeah. Lucky McKee did such a good job giving all these sometimes larger-than-life characters like James Duvall or, you know, Anna Ferris at times, and the kind of more reserved ones like Jeremy Sisto. All those people make uh, the character of May even that much more interesting because she's surrounded with all these other characters that she's really trying so hard to find – you know, she's trying to find a friend, and that's basically what the film is. This woman that just wants to be accepted, and I, it, I, it's soul crushing at times. I mean, there's so many scenes in the film that, you know, yeah, looking at it now, you kind of have a different outlook on it. I mean, just like you said, I've watched it recently, and it's just like, well, she's she is kind of out there. I mean, I understand why people are kind of like that to her, but at the same time, I mean, there's sequences in this movie that. God damn, man. Like the, the, the scene with the blind kids. Like, <laughs> that's a tough watch. Well, okay, so that is – I love that scene so much. <laughs> like, yeah, I, right? <laughs> I, I think that is uh, the masterstroke of the movie, you know, because um, it is so funny and so dark. I mean, the whole <laughs> movie is funny. It's a, I think that's something we should point out too. It's like it's a funny movie. It, it really doesn't – I think the thing that keeps it – that especially upon rewatch that keeps it from like oh you know i have a little bit of different perspective because i'm no longer an, an angry adolescent yeah. uh on, on may the character but the movie has has such a good like it's like you know 
it keeps you on her side. You, she, there's empathetic. There's so many empathetic elements, um, but it also has a, a a sort of really dark sense of humor that keeps the movie from taking itself too seriously. I believe, you know, mm-hmm. um, and sort of like a, there's even slight elements of like magical realism in the movie, and so it, it allows sort of like a it allows for all the pitched up elements to work too, and it and uh, I think that when you get to that scene, which is sort of like like you know the adults should just run over there and pick up the kids and but they just extend it out and it's so horrible and vicious but also <laughs> hilarious and like i just think that scene is great and it's a good way to like create a sort of breaking point for her you know yeah where she she's like she's like because the, the the weird thing about the movie too is like she's got this perceived flaw that no one in the movie thinks is a big deal yeah. From what I remember, like she's got a lazy eye. I mean, it, it's part of the structure of the film is like this her recognition of this thing that in her mind is grown to this Leviathan size thing that keeps her away from everyone else. And it's not really referenced. I don't even think once in the entire no, movie. And, and, and it's and it's but it's something she's the character is so hyper conscious of mm-hmm. sometimes until she isn't. And then she gets embarrassed when she forgets, oh, I must remember this about myself. And that mm-hmm. that's like a, a a really neato element, and but yeah, no nobody nobody's ever like ew this or ew that or or like put off. It's it's sort of like her policing herself about it, and um, it that's kind of like fracture one, and there's all the all this like sort of like wonderfully implied stuff of of like how she ice was isolated as a kid, and was into her you know dolls. And and that and that kind of thing and because like the, the I guess what I'm driving at is there's there's like a version of the movie that I watched when I was younger was just like these people won't accept her and she just wants to be accepted, and then there's like I watch it now and I'm just like oh she she does to other people what 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 she thinks they're going to do to her, mm-hmm. which is like she can't accept anybody's flaws, mm-hmm. either yeah. you know well it's uh, it's very it's very self sabotaging. Yeah, and she wants also their the thing about them that she likes the most, which is so crazy. I mean, I don't quite know what the where the thesis of this movie lands. I, it's kind of, uh, but the Frankenstein spoilers when she creates her own Frankenstein's monster out of the patchwork of the people and the damn thing like <laughs> caresses her. It's like I don't. I'm like, what is this? Like, what what is this saying? And it's like, well maybe doesn't have a precise thing to say clearly, but it does kick up an interesting amount of dust, you know, mm-hmm. that, well, that it's like, it's worth, it's worth sifting through those particles, you know? It's interesting because I, I feel like there are different stages of, of everything leading to that. You know, at first the film is very much about May trying to find a friend and then all these people reject her. She sto- slowly, slowly loses her grip on reality you know, the, the shit happens with the blind kids, which is still one of the most painful scenes for me to watch. But I, I, I think that what's funny is the actual breaking point for her is when James Duvall calls her a freak. That moment right, is when she snaps and kills him. But what's, what's interesting, speaking on that ending where she creates that kind of Frankenstein of everyone, I mean, she's so lost by then that she even loses touch of what her mission was to make a friend. I mean, she cuts her own eye out kills herself basically to create this thing it, it's such a, a enthralling kind of ending i think yeah it is it's very enthralling it, but it, it is the whole movie is is enthralling actually it, it it does it grips you right in and pulls you right along 
Uh, I'm just saying that, like, I, I, like, I love the the mystery of the thesis is is sort of like, yeah, I, I could not parse it, parse it out, then or mm-hmm. now, um, and I'm fine with that, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it's like it's more evocative than than maybe it is, um, than it is, uh, uh, you know, uh, definitive. I guess you know. Oh, oh and, totally. And the 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 sort of read I had upon, especially upon rewatch is like, when you think about it, it's like with Sisto, there's very much like a, not just a friend, like she, it's, it's affection she wants. And, and mm-hmm. it's like her sort of miss, like she's sort of the misread of how intimacy works. Mm-hmm. Like she pushes for intima- intimacy and he is going along with it up until the, she, you know, the blood it- lust element. And that, and it's like, it, it's sort of unclear whether it's like she's turned on by the idea of like consuming him or is she just misreading what she thinks he wants out of, out of it uh, by virtue of watching the, 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 the oh. sort of weird art film they watch, you know? Oh, definitely. Then, I mean, it's, it's like, it's, I think as, as an artist or creators in general, I mean, I think sometimes, and I mean, I'm don't know if lucky McKee obviously was thinking that, you know, deep into the character of Jeremy Sisto for for this observation. But I, I think a lot of times you're kind of associated with your art a little too much, you know? Like, he can make a really fucked up movie. That doesn't mean he wants his lip bit off, you know? Like, it it's... I always sure. found that really interesting. And I, I do think that, like, there is a... Uh, I, I... You know, it's, like, considering the fact that the only... The, the appearance Lucky makes in the film is him making out with a girl in the, <laughs> in the movie, which, by the way, is my, like, running gag in all my movies because I, I keep putting myself in situations where the movies are really hard to make and under terrible conditions. It's uh-huh. like I always I always threaten that, like, you know, the, my next movie's called Brad Sits in a Hot Tub with Strippers. <laughs> like, that's the, that's the title of my next movie, and it's going to be very verite. And it's because... <laughs> but it's funny I, uh, that the... I think the... Um, I mean, if I, because I'm, this is totally me reading too much into it. Maybe there is, there does feel like an element of like, Sisto is a little bit of an indictment, but also sort of like a, an embodiment of all the things maybe Lucky McKee kind of wants to be, you know, or, or a oh, little yeah. of him. But that's, you know, I hate, you know, I wouldn't want anybody to do that to me in my work. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm totally being an asshole about it. You know, sorry, Lucky. Um, but I, I really do. That character is just so great, and it, he there is most attention paid to that character of all the side characters, mm-hmm. and yeah, there there is there is an element though. I guess going back to what we were talking about just before this tangent was just, I, it's hard to read whether she's, um, whether again she's reading into what she feels this guy wants, or is it like. Or is it like a, a, a part of her pathology that she's like realized like, oh, I kind of want to, I like, I like your blood. Like, it's sort of bizarre. And it's, yeah. and it's like, because when you, you say reject her, like, up until this point, she is, they go, he goes along with kind of a lot. Um, and I'm not mm-hmm. saying he's a babe in the woods. He's, he's, it's really smartly makes him aware of like, this is a girl. You can tell this, this girl's kind of kooky, but he's kind of into it. And Again, there's an implication of maybe it's like, oh, this will, you know, she's cute and this will be easy. And, you know, like she's she's almost like low hanging fruit for him, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there he doesn't tell her that. And when when he 
quote unquote rejects her. It's more like you can't eat me, you weirdo. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> like it's it's her 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 re- her first rejection is sort of strange, and then she like she because it's I guess what I'm saying is if you notice, there's an element there where she wants to possess people. Like, it's not just that she wants a friend. Her de- definition of friendship seems to be based around this doll, which she's able to possess. Yeah. Because she's mad when Anna Ferris has somebody else in her life. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like, oh, I, I, can't, I can't possess you. And then her goal is, like, she possesses the best piece of them. So it's like, again, watching it now, it's just like, this, this girl has a consumption quality. Like, she wants to consume and own these things and that's her that's her version of friendship that's her version of connection and intimacy is owning the person you know which is totally which is is interesting which is a way different than what because again i'm watching at 17 going like quit being mean to may (laughs) you know like this this poor outsider you know um and now and again watching it now i'm just like oh my god this person's dangerous (laughs) you know Here's well, yeah, another uh, thing that's yeah. interesting in uh-huh. Bettis' performance. Sorry to cut you off real quick. No, no, no. Let's go. Do, there, I'm sure you picked this out, but when she decides to go full on, like, I'm just going to murder and chop everybody up, she acts most normal in, yep. in, in so much as, like, like, if she were to have been talking and acting that way, it's an interesting choice. I don't know quite if it works, like, if this character would be self-aware enough to know, like, I'm going to take all my kick ticks and take them away but story-wise i think it functions really well where it's Mm -hmm. like if she if she were to have been that this sort of like assertive and also like like all her ticks are gone like all her she's seductive at that point yeah and it's like but not just that but like her speech rhythms are just different like she Mm -hmm. she's no longer fidgety she's no longer it's almost like a totally different character and it's like that version walking around at a party nobody would think twice about it's weird mm-hmm. that once she decides to go on her, like her true murder spree, where it's like she has resigned herself to do this, that she is now behaving in in the most uh, t- t- uh, more typical of ways, you know, as mm-hmm. opposed to the sort of fidgety, um, uh, idiosyncratic way she's behaving throughout the first chunk of the movie. I, it's such an interesting choice. It's such a. It's such a. Again, character wise, like if you really look at it, like would she be able to be like. I guess I'll just stop doing all that weird shit I do, you know, like right. people can't do that. But, but again, I think, I think it works for the story. I think it, I think it's really neat. Like it's a neat touch. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for me, one of my favorite things about the film, and I might be the only person that compares it to breaking bad, but uh, is I, I'm really just in love with any movie or show that starts a character out one way. And by the end of it, they're a completely different thing. I love the journey from, Kind of beginning with May being kind of like the film's protagonist and then very much being the film's antagonist by the end. I mean, upon rewatch, I mean, I'm kind of like how you experienced it. When I first watched it, you know, I think I was 21 when it came out. You know, I thought Jeremy Sisto and everyone deserved to die. I was like, well, yeah, they're pieces of shit. I watched it, you know, a week or two ago and it's just like, well, he's a dick, but he doesn't deserve to get murdered. And like his new girlfriend, Anna Ferris's new girlfriend, like these are just like innocent people getting slaughtered. Yeah. Because and again, because he's never that much rejected. of a dick to yeah. her. Mm-hmm. I mean, in her perception of him, like if she, if if they if it was more like she was aware that this guy's kind of just kind of like almost like like 
again, like she's a, an easy lay. It's like I, I, she's very much not aware of that, you know. Mm-hmm. And and so it's like he's he's actually he's much nicer and to her than like than than again. You, you the read is totally different. You, you're right. As you it's like you you're going like this guy's kind of douche. He's kind of like that hipster douche guy, but in reality, he's kind of like every every sort of weird element he kind of like oh, that's interesting i'll just let that bounce off and i'll we'll keep going this forward and let's see what's going on here you know and um mm-hmm. again her her ups her like she just frankly starts stalking him because he is not and it might not be that he's trying to spare her feelings it might be more cowardice but he doesn't want to say like you're weird don't be around me anymore um so like she stumbles upon that you know she mm-hmm. stalks him to that point because she can't pick up the signals that would be normal to anybody else of like hey i'm not calling you back or i'm making excuses of why i don't want to do that is like that's you know part of part of growing up is like realizing like oh yeah they just aren't interested you know yeah and she's not she doesn't really know those social signals that he's putting out there and she shows up. I mean, it's terrifying, especially, I mean, it's just, again, a different context. You know, it's like that idea of just the the person just showing up at your house, you know, like, yeah. hey, what are you doing? I thought we could go hang out right now. And you're like with company and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's uh, it totally different. It feels so different now. And I believe, if if I remember correctly, I believe that's where she hears him sort of. In, and it's I don't even think it's him that insults her. I think it's the friend who goes, isn't says something to the effect of oh is that crazy girl still calling you yeah he just kind of alludes that he's happy that he's not around her but he's not that bad of a dude actually right i mean he's in in so much as like her persecution like and again it's almost like she's more angry by the fact that he's got some other girl yeah like that it's again like i can't possess this like a doll you know, mm-hmm. and 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 it's like that actually is back at the beginning. Like it's very much like, yeah, she's looking for a connection, but it's like slowly uh, uh, the breadcrumbs are let out to like her version of a connection is twisted from the beginning. You know, mm-hmm. like even even if let's say Jeremy's sister were to to roll with all the punches of it and be like, you know what, I'm May. That's my girlfriend now. Like I still feel like she'd probably end up killing him. You know? Oh, um, definitely, totally. Because he would he would do things too independently, unlike her doll, you know. Well, I I think that the character of May is is very like just unstable in herself. I I, I agree. I I think even if they I mean, had gotten together, unstable. I mean that we're not. I mean, I'm not being like I'm not finding out some secret or no, yeah, of the movie. <laughs> but uh, like, but it's, I, I feel like I, she would have snapped eventually. I mean, for yeah. I mean, she gets re- she gets rejected in her eyes, and she goes on a murder spree. I mean, the next person that would have done that to her probably would have set it off. You know, the same. I think. I just think that that she was going to come to the inevitable conclusion that that this isn't good enough. I need to own you. I need I need yeah. to put you in a glass case somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, re- regardless, and because like maybe it wouldn't have been rejection, maybe it wouldn't have been insult, but it would have been. I don't like that you're away. I don't like that you do things. It, it feels that way. And I, what I'm saying is it's not that I've like uncovered the secret of the movie. I'm saying that I didn't see that the first time I watched it. Yeah. I saw it as like, again, this sort of like lone wolf victim character who's, who's who the world is, is 
has cast out. And there is still that. There is still definitely an element of that. Again, the movie is very smart about how much empathy it has for her. Um, mm-hmm. But again, being older, it's like, wow, Jesus Christ, this this is not this is this this is not a stable person. Which is like, <laughs> duh, no shit, Brad. But uh, she's pretty scary. Um, and again, her performance is so cool. Like, and again, and how again? How is she not a snow globe and a belt buckle and forty t-shirts and like a Halloween costume I see every year? You know what I mean? Like it, it like the Sally from fucking Nightmare Before Christmas is the most non-entity, stupid character of all time. In so much as how much she actually serves the story of Nightmare Before Christmas. You know what I mean? Uh, and it's just like like that doll is gonna sell forever. And it's like I'm not saying she should be as popular as Sally or Jack Skellington. I'm just saying like I would I would love to see maybe like more of a cultural sort of touchstone and and like item of like of of you know like uh, again like we were talking about like how is it that I, I believe like popcorn has more has more t-shirts than May. May's fucking dope, you know. Right. Well, that actually leads to leads to my question. Uh, you know, May costs 1.7 million to make. You know, it, it grossed under half of that. It's kind of become a cult classic, you know, with some people, but it's still very underrated. In your opinion, why do you think that is? Well, I do think that this was the, the, the problem with making movies today is that there's no home video market and there's mm-hmm. no money in movies. And it's I mean, I'm just going to be frank. It's it's basically a pavilion for rich kids, you know, Um uh, it's it's like a totally different universe, and I do think it probably must have done pretty well on video. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like if you made your movie and it got into blockbuster in Hollywood, there enough units would move to re- recoup that. So I, I I mean theatrically it probably did not uh, that half what half the box office or whatever. If it, I don't mm-hmm. even I didn't wasn't even aware of a theatrical release. Um, but I I would I'm assuming I'm guessing that it it did okay on video, and it did have a spike in popularity. I read about it. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. discover it on my own. I read about the buzz of this movie. Um, I think where it got lost in the shuffle is goes back to the fact that it's between two movements. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in it. It nobody became a is like a giant star. Um, it doesn't have and it, it doesn't it doesn't have like the the branding of like House of a Thousand Corpses is a Rob Zombie movie. You know, yeah, which I would say sort of fits between movements as well. I mean, it definitely. The harder edge of horror comes in, and that's kind of before that, you know. But I would not put House of a Thousand Corpses in the torture porn category, mm-hmm. um, or in that saw uh, hostile, particularly hostile um, type of thing that became really big. Yeah, and it's after the the again the slasher cycle, so I there's it doesn't I think that's part of it is like it those were huge waves, and it doesn't fit in either of them. And I think it just, that's why it kind of, just kind of slipped away, you know, it just, in so much as it's, because it, it doesn't like, you know, melt movies are melt movies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and bad slashers are bad slasher movies, and they all kind of fit in this sort of like VHS box nostalgia memory of the box being cooler in the damn movie. So the, yeah. whereas May is like, what's, where's it fit? It's just May. Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't carry with it a sort of like, um, any any sort of like substrate underneath the iceberg that 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 identifies it. it's such a weird unique movie which i think makes it all the better it's so bizarre it's so its own thing and yeah i think it's intestines are i think that's a word um uh are are more you know things like repulsion 
I mean, yeah. I, I don't think it's as, as, you know, craft-wise as sophisticated as something like that or, or, or as lofty as some of those movies are, but um, it, it definitely has those, that in its DNA, but I, and I, but I certainly think it's more playful than those movies are. And oh, certainly, uh, if you're a, God, what was he like, late 20s when he made this? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a hell of a debut, you know, like, um, or is it his first movie? Uh, he did uh, All Cheerleaders Must Die first, but uh, that's, I, nobody really that's, saw it. And he eventually remade that years later. I remember the remake of that. I never saw the original. That's right. Yeah. Um, He's a, he's a guy with an interesting filmography because after May he did a reversal of May where he played the lead, and Angela uh, and Angela directed, Bettis directed it. Yeah. it, which I think Roman. is so fans, uh, so fascinating. And oh, I, do you, I've do you I've remember? done that as a double feature actually. It's it works. They work well together. Yeah, I haven't. I I've seen that. I saw that movie a long time ago, and I should I should revisit. it. I remember not loving it. Um, I mean, it, it's definitely a different bag than May, but I, I think it has its charm. Yeah. Uh, real quick, do you remember somebody had to change their name or some shit? Wasn't there a thing? I, this I might, I might be uh, mixing up my shit here, but there was like a guy who made video games who was Lucky McGee, and then I didn't know Lucky, that. and that guy made like he made the Alice in Wonderland thing, and then he changed his name to American McGee because there were two Lucky McGees. What? Wasn't that's, that a thing? I didn't know. I didn't know that. That's Do you remember so that that like Edge Lord, Alice in Wonderland with dark and fetishy shit like game that came out and was like oh, popular. Yeah. Okay, it yeah, like, yeah. It was like this is an O tour driven video game, you know? <laughs> like <laughs> it's so dumb. Um, but I remember something about one of them changing their name. Like I, I think, up. yeah, I think. I, Unless I'm crazy, I, I could be conflating a bunch of different things. Uh, you know, I do less drugs, kids. Right. Um, the, but no, yeah, I, I, because that was I remember that being a thing, and I, I felt like his career is pretty fascinating because he's got some bangers. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I, I like the woods. I, I like the segment tells uh, tells from Halloween. Uh, um, good stuff. What's it? The woman? Uh, the girl, the I, woman? I think. Yeah, yeah. God, I did. really should have looked this up before I did a podcast about it. Um, he did the woman, which was the sequel was banger. to uh, Offspring. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yes. Great. Yeah, that's uh, that movie's a banger. Like he's a, he's a really interesting filmmaker. And the, another thing about this about May that struck me is like, holy shit, Steve Yedlin stopped, shot this movie, and Ryan Johnson <laughs> edited it. Yeah. Like, that's that's really cool. Yeah, that's really neat. Um, seeing those names up on there, I'm like, shit, that's that's great. Like Yedlin's a guy I really admire. Um, like philosophically, his talk on photography and and you know things like 4K and stuff like that. It's, he's, there's a lot about him I really appreciate as an artist too. And I'm like, oh fuck, he shot this movie. And it's funny because it very much has. Uh, that look of movies looking more like, you know, it's it's the the lighting. No, I don't think I would walk away from May going like, man, really good lighting in that, really good, interesting use of light and shadow. It's very much like sort of standard, and it's mm-hmm. and it's sort of like coverage, very much like 
there's some a lot of matter of fact sort of lighting setups and stuff like that. So I don't I don't think I would have pegged it as like a a movie that like like lighting and texturally that I would have loved, but all of it works really well. Well, it's you know, interesting. I'm, I'm not saying it's, it's bad. Uh, it's just like I, I guess what I'm saying is it's like it's very there's a meat and potatoes element to the to the to the lighting and the and everything that's that 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 is all uh, above competent. I'm not I'm not knocking it, but I, I'm like mm. oh shit, this is this just looks like a movie, you know? Like uh, well, I, I've always felt that it may kind of has that tone and that feeling and that look that feels less like a Fangoria magazine and more like something that would have been on the IFC channel when it first launched, you know? Sure. And, it, and, it, but mm-hmm. less, even less gritty than that implies, I guess is yeah. what I'm saying. Like, like there's, there's, there's like, there's not a real, there, there's not a real push for source lighting. Like everything's very lit in the movie, you know, like, um, as much as it can be. And, uh, and it it doesn't quite it, it doesn't feel like a gritty little indie, even though it totally is. It it actually feels pretty polished, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's it's. I feel like I'm I'm saying the wrong thing while trying to say the other thing. I think it's a good looking movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm just totally. saying that yeah. like it 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 it's it just it's not like um. It's not. It doesn't look like you know, an early Aronofsky picture or early yeah. Matthew Lebatique sort of photography. It very much looks like it's kind of in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I totally I totally get what you're saying. Well, man, I I think that's about our time. Uh, Let's see. Uh, I appreciate you doing the show. Uh, Means a lot to us. Uh, Do you have any final parting thoughts on me? Uh, I think if you haven't seen it, you should definitely check it out. Um, I think would be my only my only thing. And also that, you know, I think. uh, there needs to be some more Jeremy Sisto love, some more Angela Bettis love. Um, I, I know there's a lot of people who love Angela Bettis, but there could be more. Uh, and yeah, that would be that'd be it. It's it's a it's a gem. It's a, it's a weird little movie. It's 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 one that I think like I on my journey of watching in like starting to get into things that were different. It was definitely a bridging film for me. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I'm gonna check out this movie based upon reviewers who were on websites buzzing about some strange little thing and it was part of like a uh, uh like a trifecta of films where that that was sort of the case where it's like what's this pie movie i'm hearing about on the internet what's this may movie i'm hearing about on the internet what's mm-hmm. this and i and I, so it's i think it's an interesting interesting film and and watch it dig it you know awesome well where can folks find you online and what can they uh what can they keep an eye out for uh, coming from you in the future Oh boy! Um, find me online. Uh, don't. Uh, <laughs> like I mean, I'm like leave me alone. Brad Michael Elmore. Um, but I don't really have a big internet presence. I don't want mm-hmm. to have a big internet presence. Um, Smart. It was coming from me. Like obviously, my first film is perennially on YouTube, and it's, I'm super proud of it. That was done years ago, and I've got Boogeyman Pop coming out um, soon. You know, when you make an indie film, there's a truly indie sort of guerrilla style film, it, the, you know, you get caught up in paperwork stuff. I won't get too far into it, but it's definitely coming out. Um, and that, that'll be coming out to a, you know, uh, uh, to somewhere that people can have access to it, hopefully by the end of the year. And then bit is doing the festivals right now. Um, so if you find bit in your area, go see it. And I'm sure that 
that's distribution platform will be announced shortly as well. Basically what I'm saying is, is I've made three movies and you can watch one, the free one on YouTube. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, I, I would, I, I am a filmmaker who dreams of someday people being able to freely watch their movies. Maybe that's just not in my cards. Words can't describe.